Hey, everybody. Welcome to Babs Buzz. How are you? How are you? Good to connect with you again. Lots going on, so I'm going to get right to it like I usually do. Hi, Michael. You're so cute. You are my Ishta. Okay, so uh, we're going to start off with some cool news. Uh, Padre, one of my favorite scripts ever, was sold to Screen Gems. Now, sadly, it wasn't my client, nor was it my script, but um, a lot of folks, as you can imagine, there's a a kind of covetousness that is almost knee-jerk in this business. It's understandable. It's not a big deal. Uh, I, I've been lucky. I've been able to avoid that pretty much where, oh, I wish that was mine, you know, that kind of jealousy that I'm really lucky. I, I have in my life, I have had rare moments of jealousy and even more rare moments of envy, mostly because I, for some reason, it's not it's not one of my uh, blind spots. I have others. That's not it. For example, I can't hold my, my wine for anything, but you guys know that. Anyway, Padre sold, I believe, to Screen Gems. The, the writer's name is Mike Maples. It's one of the best scripts I've ever read. Um, when uh, You guys might remember me talking about Django Unchained long before anybody knew about Django, long before it was on anybody's radar. And I, I kind of put it out there and I'm very proud of this moment that I knew that something great would come of this. And sure enough, fast forward to whenever he gets his Oscar, he got it. So Mike Maples, if you're listening and I hope you are, I am a huge fan. I will read you anytime, anywhere. Yes, I do wish you were my client, but you know what? You are in very, you are much better hands than I could ever handle you. So way to go, buddy. Good job, good job, fantastic, great, great craft. And let me tell you, this guy, uh, kids, boys and girls, you know, he doesn't, it didn't happen overnight. It, it, he's still in the, you know, he's still in the laundromat, you know, looking at the dryer and looking at the washer and going, okay, what's going on over here? He's still in the laundromat. So, and he's got his quarters and he's putting quarters in each machine and he's trying to find his laundry and he's looking at the dryer and the thing is spinning and wow. So uh, if you think it happens overnight, I could tell you straight up, I'm hoping someday that, um, Ashley Myers actually will interview uh, Mike Maples. I might get that going. Okay, so Padre sold. Uh, guys, I want to remind you, check in with Spec Scout. Very important. If you have a few bucks to do that particular kind of coverage, that's when you take your script and elevate it to the next level. Screenplay Readers is amazing. You know this. It's a lot more affordable uh, than uh, items like the Spec Scout Readers, but it's a whole different thing. Spec Scout is giving you a, a really large dynamic, A to Z. Screenplay Readers gives you a very solid dynamic, but it's slightly different in that it gets right to the core of what's wrong and right, and it does it quickly. Plus, he's got it down to science. So, you know, you guys know I love Screenplay Readers, but don't be afraid to check in with Spec Scout. Boy, these companies should be throwing me cash, I swear, Michael, don't you think? Um, check in with Tracking Board, of course. That's huge. Go to the, go to the chat rooms, poke around in there, get to know other writers, talk to them. Some of the writers in there I've noticed... It's a challenge going in there. Sometimes I'll just watch the conversation unfold. And, and when I say challenge, I say that because it's kind of a time vampire for me. I, if I go in there, I got to be careful because before you know it, you've been in there three hours and I got nothing done. So I have to be careful with that. Don't forget, of course, to read Jeannie Bowerman, my lovely lemon drop. She's got a thing going. Her website, I believe, is called jeanvb.com. She's doing coverage now. It's funny how all of these really skilled writers I know are moving off into coverage and they say that those who can't teach, well, that's that's patently false. It's patently those who can teach because they love people, they want to help, and they want to help you avoid the fender benders that they've gone through. I mean, that's just silly. So, because I teach, 
And I'm good at what I do. So there it is. So check in with Jeannie. Uh, reminder, too, to go to, uh, I think I gave you this link, Michael. If I didn't, I'll send it to you later. It's the screenwritingtips.blacklist.com, Stage 32 News. Good article. Also, don't forget that Richard Botto of Stage 32, great guy, great guy, fabulous biceps. Um, he does, uh, he just did the blood list, which is really going to, ha- it's going to catch some momentum very quickly this summer. By the end of the year, I, I, I predict it's going to be a go-to site. There's a wonderful article, Michael. I might have sent this to you if I didn't. I'll just send you all my show notes. Is that okay with you, my darling? Look how cute he is. I have a picture of Michael. You guys have seen this. He looks like a creamsicle. His hair is red on the top and his beard is white on the bottom. And that was one of my favorite uh, popsicle bars, Michael, ever. You look like a 50-50 bar, dreamsicle, creamsicle, we called them in New York. When the good human man would come around, I would go... I want a creamsicle. So that's what you what you want to me, Michael. You're my creamsicle. You're not my lobster, though, because you're you've got uh, something going on in your reality that's very exciting. But I'm very proud that you may have found a lobster. Okay, how not to write a screenplay by Xander Bennett. Uh, I, I love this article. It was very good. And the thing that I came away from it was he, like many writers, suffer this kind of insulation about what writing what they think writing is and what writing actually is. It's it's pretty much as if I were to say to you, okay, here's a scalpel. Go in and perform surgery on that guy. Take the thorn out of his hand. And you'd be like, what? I don't think I can do that. That's not in my skill set. It's as if someone says to you, wake up and smell the coffee, right? Why? Because you, it's not something you're trained to do. Well, it's the same thing in screenwriting. A lot of people believe that if they get the software and they read Save the Cat and they, you know, they watch a lot of movies. You know, it's funny. I, I'll digress to make this point. In the 80s, I had a job as a makeup artist on Madison Avenue at Carlisle Chemist. Some of you may recognize Carlisle Chemist in the very last scene or one of the very end scenes of that Jeremy Irons movie where he, he I guess he was uh, the guy, Michael, that killed his wife. They, they thought he killed his wife, the rich blonde chick who was played by uh, Glenn Close. I can't remember the title. You know me, Michael, so start your research. That's why I pay you the big bucks. Um, anyway, in, in, in that particular scene where Jeremy, Jeremy Irons was is where I worked. I worked the cosmetic counter right behind Jeremy Irons. Now, let me tell you about this gig. When I was hired, I was the only makeup artist in a little tiny little three by eight foot counter. There were two pharmacists, a guy who ran the place in the front register and me. And I, when I was hired, they said, now, listen, we, we tend to get a slightly higher and and more visible publicly, i.e. celebrity clientele. So you can't interact with them. Don't ask for autographs. Please don't, uh, you know, ogle them like that. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, no worries. That's not a problem. Oh, my gosh. I had no idea I could be such a doofus. <laughs> I, I had one experience that taught me quickly and happily nobody saw it but the actor and me. And it happened to be Woody Allen. I was lucky. He's probably very used to it. But I started to keep a list of all the celebrities that came in, came in one after the other, one after the other, one after the other. Glenn Close, Cher, Rod Stewart, uh, Tommy Toon, the singer, the lead singer from Def Leppard, can't remember his name. Anyway, point about all that was, as I got to see these celebrities and got to hear them, they very much were like just people. I mean, you know, Woody Allen bought a bottle of Lavoris, for God's sake. The point was they didn't do what they did because they just rolled out of bed and did it. They were trained to do it. 
well, how do I know this? Because meeting them, you could see they were, if you didn't know who they were, they were completely innocuous. They were completely, um, you would not know who they were unless you knew who they were. So these kinds of folks, when they make it look easy, that's because they've honed their craft. So not everybody can do open heart surgery. Not everybody can act. Not everybody can be on film. Not everyone can be behind the camera. So if you choose to write Reversal of Fortune, thank you. I love you so much. You're so cute. You're just the cutest thing. Uh, As you look at a screenplay and you sit down, the reason why I harp on Save the Cat so much is because it gives sanity to a craft that most people would like to try but are afraid to. So my hope is that if you do read books like Save the Cat, it allows you to embrace the more the more refined and subtle points of what you're actually seeing that you don't realize you're seeing because it's being so well shot. All right. So this guy, Xander Bennett, writes this great article, but he did say one thing. So do read it. But he did say one thing that I thought was kind of interesting. He said, worry about whether do not worry about whether or not you have writing voice. Now, I have to tell you, I don't exactly know what he meant by that. Maybe you guys can tell me when you read it and give me your opinion. I, I mean, I know what he meant. Writing voice to me is very obvious. I, I completely disagree with him on this point, and I'll tell you why, Michael, and my good friends at the Babs Buzz audience. How are you guys doing? You know how much I love you and miss you? Gosh, I was chomping at the bit. Michael will tell you to do this show. I'm so excited. And I don't even know why. I just love you all. Seeing you on the boards is just great. P is wonderful, and Dean is amazing. Ed is out there, you know, rooting for us. I thought voice was everything, but I'm wondering now if it's because I can hear voice. So what do I mean by that? Well, I can carry a tune. I can sing. You know how when you're hearing someone try to sing in a bar and I mean, they might have a couple of drinks in them, but you hear them sing and you realize they actually can't hear the tune, nor can they match their voice to that note. At its purest form, notes in music are mathematical. Now, I must tell you, I sucked at math, but I had an exceptional ear. And I can tell you, too, as I get older, my ear gets a little rickety. It's a little, you know, I mean, I sing all the time. You guys know this. I sing in church every week. I mean, we rock for Christ. I'll sing anywhere, anytime for Jesus. You know it. I'll even sing some Barracuda if I can get the notes out. One of my favorite songs that I could still sing that's in my range is um, I'm the Only One by Melissa Etheridge. I could kick that, Michael. Anyway, voice to me on the page is obvious from page one. Perfect example. I'm reading Long Shadow Woman. Never met Craig Clyde. Don't know him from Adam. I open the script. And as you, those of you who have read it can attest, it's beautiful. I mean, from page one, you are wrapped in the arms of this guy's voice. So I don't know that here's what I think he's saying. Don't worry about whether or not you have voice. And that I agree with, because if you have story, you can knock out narrative tug and make it interesting to a reader. They're going to keep reading. So they won't put the script down. They'll pick up the phone. Right. The agent will will pick up the phone. Uh, I have some wonderful show prep here. I promised Alex, who I have a pitter patter for. Um, He wants me to talk about Ryder Arena. Okay, so he says the July challenge commences on the 12th of July and the theme will be way, way different this time, he says. It should bring out all the kids buried deep in your subconscious. Ooh, Michael, that's clever. Hint, hint. 
What is Michael telling me? Forum. Thank you, Michael. You're so good. Forum.writerarena.com. Thank you, Mr. C. All right. Uh, he says, uh, let me repeat that. It should bring out all the kids buried deep in your subconscious. Hint, hint. Boy, I could probably uh, write a cute little short story about that. The prize is a coupon for a free downloadable copy of Final Draft which Final Draft has kindly offered. Boy, that's really cool, Michael. We're getting into the big time. From the 12th of July until the 9th of August, members will also be able to purchase a copy of Final Draft for a huge discount, 30% off, according to Mr. Alex. The winner of the challenge will be selected by the site moderators. Alex is such a nice guy, and I love him. Giggle, giggle. So that was my cue card, but I mean it. Thank you, Alex. You're adorable. I'm giving you a mwah. Sending uh, huge hugs to you. I'm going to add a new corner this time around called Tanya's Tidbits. I'll get that before the close. All right. Here's the thrust of the show. How did I lose my way in the second act? So my reference film is going to be Three Musketeers with Kiefer Kiefer Sutherland, that version, Michael. Okay. When you pull up the, the link. How did I lose my way? What is it about this particular screenplay that so attracted me was everything. I mean, I don't even know where to start. The The way it was cast, the actual, I mean, everything about it. I know the, I know the snobs in Hollywood. I know, well, I'm not going to name them. They know who they are. They don't need the publicity. They thought, you know, oh, it's cute. It's Disney. Tinka, tinka, tinka. Have my people call your people. Three Musketeers is drama action. Okay, drama action, you guys know what that means. So I sat down just for you guys and I beat it out. There's typos in here, but I'm going to give it to Michael to uh, attach. I stopped counting the minutes because I really didn't need to. I, I got where the, the, script, the script was going and I, I beat it out for a particular reason. I'm noticing so many scripts go off to this wonderful start and then all of a sudden it's the air goes out of the balloon to use a cliche or as i've noticed this week my feet just grow out of my shoes and it's very annoying because i have to go shoe shopping and have you seen the price of shoes girls boys please help me sell some screenplays get me some stuff so that i could buy some shoes all right so the opening image minute one a ship floats away from the castle gives way to a deep interior castle jail where a man is being beaten and pleads for his life. Now you counter that with, I'm going to scroll down here. The final image is the bad guys are and the annoying pests on the run. The annoying pests are the guy who yells, Dr. Yet! You know, because he thinks he's violated his, his, his sister. And the bad guys, of course, are on the run. I beat this thing out and I said, okay, what is it about the second act of this film that for me made such great literary and film sense. Well, apart from the fact that the guy who wrote the screenplay, which Michael will find me in a minute, was genius. The entire team who put this film together, in my opinion, now you have to remember, this is important you remember this. You're listening, say yes. When Kiefer Sutherland shows up for work, it's work. It's like I go to the office, which is now in my home, by the way, because I closed my satellite office. You guys know that because we didn't sell any screenplays last year of any sig- significant dollar merit. I'm not ashamed to tell you that. I'm still busting my butt. You guys know this. If you're listening, say yes. But I happen to like working out of my house. I found out to get a lot more done. Isn't that interesting? So my productivity has doubled. So I'm excited about that. But I digress. 
when Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland shows up on set, he's not clocking in. He has a contract. He's got lawyers and managers and doctors and lawyers and Indian chiefs who smoke, you know, peace pipes to make him get on set. Same thing with Martin Sheen. Okay. So the film is set up. He gets his shooting schedule. He get well, first he gets his rehearsal schedule, then he gets his shooting schedule, and then they rock it up. Now, this to them is not glamorous. And anybody who's been on set who's done a short knows how tedious and hard it is and how labor intensive it is to actually s- David Lower- Lowry, L O U G H E R Y. Thank you, Michael. David Lowry wrote. Uh, the Three Musketeers version that I'm talking about. Thank you, my darling, my little dreamsicle. Uh, he, as it happens, when that is all ready to go, typically they'll shoot principal photography first, as you guys know, and then they'll do the punch-ups later. So they show up on set. They do what they're supposed to do. The, the director, know, the, the actors know what's expected of them. The director yells action. He sees what he wants to see. He gets that out of the actor. The director of photography who should get an Oscar, by the way. Jason Bortz is so right about that. Um, he is the guy who sits there and makes sure the shot is, you know, it's the shot. Okay. My point about all this is that for them, it's very, they got to where they are because of craft, because of practice, because of fender benders, because of being in bad movies, and they know how to perform. So now the director has to get out of the director has to get out of the actor his vision of what's going on. And here's why the second act can't lag. Because when you break into the second act, you're about 25, 30 minutes into the film. By then, if you're not married to these characters, where they're going, who they're going, what you think is going on, you're not going to be able to allow... Now, I'm talking as a writer. You're not going to be able to allow their actual journey to take place let alone the fact that you're not going to be able to throw surprises at them because if you follow their line in a very linear way, okay, he gets on the horse, he rides on the horse, he jumps off the horse, he runs into the bar, he saves the maiden. That's very pedestrian. What if he's on the horse, he's riding along on the horse, and you know that there's a reveal in the end that this guy has to, you know, find his father's, the maker, the killer of his dad. All of that stuff has to be entwined and sort of foreshadowed and rolled into the tale into the second act because if you don't remember that then there's no payoff right so you've got all this foreshadow in act in the first act for the most part and maybe a little bit in the second act one of the one of the better parts of this story for me is um when they introduced rebecca de mornay's character now in my opinion she can do no wrong i don't care how young she is i don't care how old she is this woman has chops I I adore her. If I ever met her, I, I'd have to be very careful that I don't fawn because she's very, very skilled. You watch her face. You watch her eyes. You hear the tone of her voice, the inflection of her voice. Just She's very – she's got serious chops, this chick. She enters the particular story at a very interesting time where – Everything starts to shift from the three musketeers to the cardinal. And if you do not know, that's why the beat sheet really helps. That's why doing your scene cards really helps. Because if you're looking at your, right, you're looking at your bulletin board and you know, you you pretty much know how your story is going to shake out. Well, I love the way the beats of this story shape up so much that I am going to ask you guys to watch it and notice 
different things. Now, you can read my beat sheet if you want, but it's really pedestrian. It's I just typed as I was watching. So it's got typos. It's kind of goofy. But, I, you know, you guys, I don't mind showing you my foot size. You guys know me very well, and I trust you won't make fun of me. And if you make fun of me, well... I can take it. But as you read what I wrote here for the second act, my hope is that you'll get a real sense of why things you really are braiding, for lack of a better word. You've got, and, and as a coincidence, a braid is typically made with three parts. But you really are braiding a story together. How D'Artagnan, by D'Artagnan injecting himself in the Three Musketeers reality, they wouldn't even know about the Cardinal's plan were it not for him being in that cave eavesdropping. Now, this opens up a whole bunch of noise for the second act. Your second act simply must have things that have nothing to do with your story, period. That's what I'm trying to say. So as you do your second act, it really should have nothing to do with the, the where you started. In fact... Don't be surprised, and I say this with genuine enthusiasm because this is what excites me about reading a script. Don't be surprised. Do not be surprised if your second act takes you to a different ending. So now you started out with a story. You have an idea of the beginning, the middle, and end. You go, wow, these characters are taking me to a different place. Maybe I should listen to them. This is why, are you listening? I bet you are. This is why a table read is so critical this week, uh, you know, stage 32, I love those people. They, they, they send me scripts and I read, I'll read the first page mostly because the writing is, is just not there. These people who have sent me scripts this week, I will call them the earnest ones. These are people who have written books and love exposition and they try to write a screenplay and they have never listened to Babs Buzz, which is fine. And they've never taken a class, which is fine. If they've taken a class, they don't know what adaptation means and that the writer, the screenwriter is just to protect the essence of the book. So they don't know this. So they send me what kids? I'm so glad you asked me that. You know what they send me? They send me a screenplay that actually mimics a novel in that you've got blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks of text and you have text and you have a line of dialogue. You're not starting mid scene. You're not telling the story with pictures. You just have someone pretty much talking. Now this happened to me twice this week. And I said to both writers, I went out on a limb. You guys know me. I'll do this because I can take a hit. But I, I now tell them something I didn't do five years ago. I tell them if you're going to snark me and give me a load of crap, don't, don't bother to ask me what I think because I'm going to tell you. And if you don't want to hear it, we're good here. We're done. Have a nice life. Both of them said, it's okay to tell me what you think. And I explained to them very kindly, because that's how I am. This is a gallant effort to be sure, but you need to make sure that you realize something. This is a novel posing as a script. Doesn't make it bad. Just doesn't make it something that in fact, when you're reading it, it really does look like a book. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't give a director a vision. A director can just read a novel and take away his own notes and write the script himself. Most directors make very solid writers. So in the end, kids, I was very nice to these people. They thanked me profusely. I said, my door is always open. You don't have to worry about that. We're good to go. In short, can you imagine then what a novelist who's never written a screenplay or is trying his hand at doesn't know what we know about doing the second act? They're going to get lost. So the second act really is critical. You've got to make sure, I don't know how I, that's kind of a, a terrible segue. Um, it's almost a non-starter. But um, I said all that to say this. The second act has to be the place where you party, where you as a writer hear your hear your character. And that's, 
And this harkens back to what he was saying about voice. I mean, honestly, I'll read, I, I'm reading a, I have an announcement to make. You, I forgot to tell you, Michael, I'm coming out of the closet today. Uh, yes, kids, I'm coming out of the closet. I, the Christian agent, I am reading gay scripts. <gasps> Um, I'm not reading porn, obviously, because I'm just not. <laughs> I don't know. No. But as it happens, I have a couple of buyers who are looking for gay comedies. And the reason for this is very simple. Gay people, as they embrace their their lifestyle, really do just want to be normal. You know, they just do. They want to they just want to live their lives. They face the same things we do. And I remember Don Rickles in the 50s and 60s and 70s, the way he would make the Jews and the blacks, as he would say, and the Irish, he would call them the mix or the, you know, the nips who were the Asian. The way he'd make them feel comfortable is he'd make fun of everybody. And see, that's why in those days, there was no, when I was growing up, there was no such thing as politically correct. Because names, everybody was called names, and that's how America became this wonderful sort of, hey, you can laugh at Italians because, you know, here's the reason. And you can laugh at Jews because here's the reason. And everybody was made fun of. It was, humor was a great equalizer, right? And so as I would grow up with this, we didn't see color. Well, the same goes for we really didn't see gay. I mean, we saw flamboyance. We saw drag queens. We saw bigness of personality. But really, we just saw people. And so a lot of the gay producers who really are feeling comfortable now with their own skin and Christian uh, homosexuals, by the way, Michael, this is huge. It's a big deal. Gay Christians, are they've had it. They're, we love God. We're going to go to church. Come what may. Now, I have to tell you, this is a very courageous thing to do, period, because I'm a sinner. I'm saved because of Christ. You guys know this. I'm a sinner, okay? I sin every day, every day. At least once a day, the F-bomb comes from somewhere. I have no idea where, Michael. It just comes out. All right, I'm a sinner, but I'm saved. These people are also sinners. They're saved. It's not for me to say who goes here, who goes where. I know we're all going to heaven. That includes these gay Christians. I mean, it is what it is. The point being... All of this stuff speaks to love. It is about love. Lust should have nothing to do with it. If you're driven by lust in a relationship, then you know what's going to happen? That's going to fizzle. You're all going to get old. Bones creak. Breath smells. You have gas. And there it is. So I'm out of the closet now as a Christian who is trying to shop. Not one, but two. Actually, one gay feature right now. It's not gay. It's, uh, it's about people. You know, I mean, Michael, I don't know. Do I sound like a hypocrite? I guess I am. So there it is. So I'm out of the closet, kids. And um, let's see. What's my time? How am I doing? All right. So we're going to add something kind of new here. If I can find my notes. Where are my Babs Buzz notes? Okay. So we're going to add something new. We're going to add. So anyway, I'm reading this gay script from this guy. And it's very funny. Oh, my gosh. I hope the second act. That's why I did the second act. Because I'm so afraid to read a second act that it's going to suck that I don't even want to read it. I just want to stop here and go. Let's sell it like this, but I can't. You know, I got to do my due diligence. I also met um, a couple of women who had a very traumatic thing happen to them. Craig Clyde flew down here to meet with me and these women. Uh, They're a gay couple, and Craig was so moved by the story, he actually wrote the screenplay for free. They did pay for his airfare. They were very gracious. They're paying for him to shop the screenplay. I pitched it this week to Jane Lynch to star in as uh, one of the characters. I can't tell you more than that, kids. I'm, I'm just not allowed to. Not yet. When I'm ready, and it'll be soon, when I'm ready, I'll, again, come out of the closet and uh, get that one going for you. So, uh, And I'm sure you'll be pleased and excited. I, and for those of you who are staunch Christians out there, I, I urge you to relax. Take a deep breath. Don't jump off the ledge. Oh, my God, Barbara's a Christian. Ah! 
Don't worry about it. God's got this. Okay. I'm not worried. Don't you be worried. Okay. Just don't be, please. It's fine. I have, I do not do anything that is not in good taste. Okay. Trust me on that. I don't. In fact, the, the screenplay, you guys, Morphine, and I digress again to make a point. I love that story, but I told the guy, you're you're not going to get a PG-13 rating, and you're not going to get distribution. If you want to go for an R rating, go for it. I can't shop it as an R, and I won't. Because he had a couple of scenes in there that was so gross, I just said, what are you doing, man? You're, you're pulling away from your great writing by inserting this? We don't need to see this. We get it. We can hear it. We don't need to see it. Okay, so that's just gross, and I don't go there. Well, he fixed it for me, and I sold it. Yay! So all that is uh, happening uh, as we speak. Uh, the business with this uh, script that uh, Craig Clyde uh, went out with, uh, Take These Broken Wings, uh, we went out wide with it uh, three weeks ago. As it happens, tracking board got over 400 clicks on it. What that means, hell if I know. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But I did pitch it to Jane Lynch to star in. And I, I actually called, I haven't heard from them, and I probably will not, but I did call Jodie Forster's people because I wanted her in it as well. And I was thinking maybe, Michael, just maybe she could direct. Now, you talk about aiming for the moon and settling for the nearest star. I was aiming for Jupiter, and I'll be lucky if I get the nearest farmland two doors down from my house. So I would love to see Craig Clyde shoot it, actually, because he's got the sentimentality and he's got the emotion because he knows these women, as do I. But the fact is, I just want it to go, because it's a great story about dedication, loyalty, love, tenacity, um, a sturdiness through suffering that brings us closer to Christ as Christians. And if you're not saved, you know, you might want to get to know Jesus. I hope you do someday. If you're not, that's okay, too. But uh, there's a, there's, when we, as Christians, when we suffer, we don't suffer alone. We suffer with and for him. So uh, if you're not a believer, that's okay. When your suffering comes, I pray that you find a very good shore upon which to rest. At the end of the show right now, we're going to, I'm going to try to remember, Michael, maybe you can remind me. I don't know. I'll, I usually save my Babs Buzz notes from, show to show so i'll just boilerplate this we're going to do tanya's tips tanya i'll tell you about tanya tanya sent me a script a million years ago called bad habits very cute out of order bad habits both great titles it's about these two nuns very very different if you could if i could give you an icon stamp it's very much um like uh, 48 hours the very two very different people from very different backgrounds are thrown together and it's what happens and it's very clever and very cute premise it actually would be i think a terrific tv series and in my mind tanya is probably one of the best undiscovered tv writers i would say in california and i mean that she's really really skilled this chick has a wordsmith ability she has a verbal acuity that is so impressive i'm going to send you her link michael for the blog she did today um, my pompous circumstances. Very, very clever. She can turn a phrase like it's nobody's business. Get to know Tanya uh, a little bit. She, uh, she's a junior agent for our agency, but she's also a client. She has a, a screenplay. She has a pilot out called Sundown that I think Debbie Reynolds people are sort of trying to champion somewhere. And I don't know what's going on with it. It's really a shame if it doesn't go because I mean, an old folks home. Get, talk about a plethora of material could have a field day with that plus a lot of actors that we know and love are aging they would love to work so there's that the practical reality again back to the key for sutherland i need a paycheck business tanya's tips this is new from babs buzz tanya says don't be resistant to the delete button not everything you write will be brilliant not everything works to successfully move your story forward get rid of it 
you're likely the only one who will ever read it, so it won't be missed. Pay attention to real dialogue. Eavesdrop in coffee shops, in grocery lines, in subway cars. Write real and interesting. Pay closest attention to dialogue that causes you to miss your stop, but was worth it. Respect your craft. You have roughly 100 minutes to make your audience fall in love, care about your characters, and come away with a story that creates conversation long after the credits roll. Yes, it's actually a kind of brain surgery, so be proud when you manage to do it well. This is Babs for Babs Buzz, reminding you that I love you dearly and that I need to make money, so you need to get your asses in gear. That's right. I said it. That's right. I said it. Michael, love seeing you as usual. You guys keep writing. Pay attention to those rewrites because they're going to be there. And remember to live your life. Peace.